0: Hello, and welcome back to Now Screaming, episode 94. I'm Evan Culbertson. And I'm Liz Smart. And we're watching all the horror movies currently available for streaming on the internet. So you don't have to. This week, we'll be talking about the 2018 horror musical, Anna and the Apocalypse, which comes to us from Amazon Prime, though it's also available on Hulu and Netflix in Canada. Oh my god.
1: (laughs) So many options to watch this movie.
0: Especially if you're in Canada. Yeah. This movie was directed by John McPhail. And written by Alan McDonald and Ryan McHenry, based on a short film by Ryan McHenry, who passed before this film was made, but it was nominated for a BAFTA. It was called Zombie Musical. And this film is a zombie musical. That is what it is.
1: A Christmas zombie musical. A Christmas zombie musical.
0: (laughs) So Merry Christmas.
1: I know. Merry Christmas in February.
0: Late February. This movie is also kind of a comedy as well.
1: Yeah, I would call it a horror comedy musical. A Christmas horror comedy musical.
0: (laughs) That's a lot of adjectives. Yeah,
1: but I think that it actually like really fits the bill on all four of those.
0: Yeah, I think the core question here, especially when you see a movie that has this quirky indie energy and is is trying to bite off as much as we have, have set that up that it has four hyphenates before. Yeah. Is it any good? And I'm here to tell you, listeners, it is.
1: <laughs> I think he liked it more than me. I don't think that I like I don't know. I have I have some
0: some Issues with it. I have critiques of this film. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to lead anyone astray to think that this is a masterpiece, but it's really fun.
1: It's probably the best Christmas horror comedy zombie musical.
0: <laughs> it's one of the best <laughs> Christmas horror movies. Period. Sure, I think.
1: that's fair. Yeah, I
0: think that it's it's really high up there. Uh, I think that if you if you like musicals, especially pop musicals, and if you like teenage zombie comedy style things, which I typically don't necessarily. Um, You should go watch this. You should absolutely go watch yeah. this. It's a lot of fun. That's the main thing it has going for it, is that it has the right sensibility and spirit to be what you're looking for if you're yeah. looking for a zombie musical. And that
1: music is catchy.
0: This really delivers on that. So I actually highly recommend this to listeners who...
1: Who like those things.
0: Who like things like that. You're going to like this. Yeah. I really think so. Now, it might not wow you, <laughs> as it seems to have Liz is already... Uh,
1: I had fun. I had fun watching it. It it really dunked on me in a couple ways I wasn't expecting that made me take back some of the ways I was feeling about it and maybe in the middle. So I, yes, I would recommend it.
0: Interesting. Let's get into it. Let's get into yeah, what this movie is. We're about. gonna
1: spoil it though, so if you are interested in it, I would go watch it first.
0: The protagonist of this film is ostensibly the titular Anna, played by Ella Hunt, but it's really an ensemble piece.
1: It really is more than I was expecting. It's about, at minimum, three main characters. Yeah, but Anna, it gets up to, like, six, I would say.
0: Her friend John and then Steph, I would say, are the three...
1: Interesting. Okay.
0: Who would you say the third is?
1: I don't... Uh, I was thinking Nick because of the end, but you're right that he's really not a main character and for most of it. Let's talk about
0: who these people are. So, sure. Anna and John are... Best friends. Best friends. Seemingly since childhood. Uh, yeah. They drive to school together he's with...
1: He's got the... Um... Like he's holding a torch for her, you know, he's the nice guy that she never chooses. That's kind of his vibe. And she's like a little, um, she's not like a goth and she's not, she doesn't fit into those kind of categories, but she's a little mean. She's kind of sardonic, sarcastic. Um, she's not bubbly, right? Yeah. She's a little, she's got a hard, dark side to her.
0: I mean I think that really she's got um Lindsay from Freaks and Geeks energy <laughs> is the thing that she's channeling which yeah, is that's this fair. sort of like uh not not really fitting in with any like high school clique but also pretty self assured in the ways that she yeah. finds for herself. Yeah. Um
1: and our whole beginning the way that she, we are set up in this movie is that she is telling her father that she doesn't want to go to university and she wants to travel. Um, they're also in Ireland, England.
0: They're absolutely in England. They're
1: in England. Her, her, uh, friend, John, has an Irish accent.
0: If you say so. He
1: does. <laughs> it
0: all sounds the same to me. He says
1: this is nay Disney at one point. Um. Is it an Irish thing? Yes. Okay. I mean, I believe, I, I guess it could also be a Northern thing. I think it's an Irish thing. He, I think he has an Irish accent. I'm pretty sure her dad has an Irish accent too. I think the accents in this are slightly confused. Um, but she doesn't want to go to university. She wants to travel, and her dad is like, you're going to go to university if it's the last thing I do, etc. You know, that that the classic conflict.
0: Yes. Steph is a American student, I guess a foreign exchange student, who is like... I'm
1: not a foreign exchange student. Her parents like sent her away what to is go that? to school here.
0: But it's not a boarding school. It's a normal high school. No, so I don't like...
1: know where she lives. I don't know who she lives with. <laughs> She's an American...
0: She's like an American... Tom Felton type. Um, she does
1: have the Tom Felton's haircut, yes. But... And she's gay, thank she God. She's gay. Her When she showed up in the movie with her hair the way that it is, I was like, if this girl is not, is not a lesbian, I'm going to be so angry. And she was, so I was like, thank you. Points to this movie. Yeah. But uh, her girlfriend is uh, out of the picture the whole time.
0: Yeah, she does not appear in this movie. Chris... Likes movies. He's a filmmaker. They have a film club. Mm-hmm. His girlfriend is Lisa.
1: They're who... gooey. Yeah. They're super, like that. Attached a a the really hip. annoying high school couple who's just always making out over the lunch table. Yeah. Nick is somewhere between,
0: um, like, burnout and bully. He's not quite.
1: Burnout? Really? That's how you describe him?
0: I don't know. He seems like kind of like a ne'er do well, like,
1: no. slacker
0: type. Not, not like but, a No, but his
1: dad's in the army. I guess, but he's not jockey. He's not jockey. I think he's just a bully. I wouldn't call him a do Duel. He's not like I don't know. He comes across like the like the greasers, like from from Greece, who like are kind of bad boys, but they never actually do anything bad. They're just kinda of like, eh, we're, we're we're not nice guys. We're we're different. Like see, I hear you. Uh, you I know? would
0: also describe the greasers in Greece as somewhere between burnout and bully.
1: Fair enough. I don't think they're burnouts though. Burnout implies something very different to me. Maybe maybe I'm just I'm uh, ascribing something.
0: Sure. He and Anna have sort of a like clearly a casual hookup thing going on. But or at least they did. There's not a lot of mutual interest there or respect between them. But they
1: and potentially he has he didn't treat her well afterwards. Yeah. But she's clearly still likes him in she or she's drawn to him in some kind of way.
0: It's just the bad boy thing. I don't think yeah. that there's anything
1: more complex than that. And John's got angst about it. He's like, I the nice guys don't get the girl.
0: Yeah, we don't have to dive into <laughs> we that. We don't
1: have time to unpack that.
0: <laughs> and they go about their high school day, and we spend some time doing that. There's a Christmas pageant. I don't really want to talk too much about the time spent in this movie before the zombies show up, which is maybe half an hour. But I feel like we should say
1: that it's too long. I feel like it's too long. But this is my first criticism: is that we get three, three musical songs before the zombies show up. We technically get six because there's the opening song that's playing on the radio. That's like just a typical Christmas pop song. That's like a pop song, yeah. Yeah, it's it's almost potentially a little bit supposed to be like a dumb Christmas pop song. Like, it just kind of has that vibe where Mm -hmm. we're supposed to be like, this is annoying. Um, And then there's an opening song that's like, we're establishing that we're in a musical. This is us. These are the characters. And then there's the angsty we all want a happy ending, but not the happy ending we're supposed to want or that we think we want or whatever. No such thing as a Hollywood ending. And then there's a another song. Well, then there's two Christmas pageant songs and then there's another song, When the Zombies Attack, that is like a brand new day. Here we are doing things in our normal human lives pre-zombie. And that is too many songs, in my opinion, before we get to the zombies.
0: You know, when we talked about this before recording the podcast, we did say that we weren't going to go song by song. And you have now given a recap of everything in the the least interesting part this of the is movie. The
1: li- yeah, this is the last time I want to do it because I don't actually remember as well the songs after it. It's just that I have such a problem With there being six songs before we ever get into zombies. I guess the sixth song is like, there are zombies in the song. Which kind of raises the other point of my other issue with these first six songs is that...
0: With the songs or with the movie? The songs. Okay, because one of them is a joke, so I don't think that that's... Really, two of them are jokes. It's a
1: problem with the movie because it's... Okay, it's not the first six songs. Like I said, the first song is fine because it's probably a little bit of a joke. The two pageant oh, sorry, songs I are that. fine.
0: Three of them are jokes. Three of them are literally jokes. Yeah, the so, two like, pageant songs are fine. I think you're overscribing the like
1: fine. Then then just the musical theater songs. Just like the actual musical We're in the world of a musical song.
0: Breakaway Hollywood Ending and Turning My Life Tur- Around.
1: Yes, those three. They feel like they were written for a different movie or just in general, someone just sat down and wrote them at a piano, and then they were just kind of plugged into this movie because the lyrics are so vague that they could mean anything. They're just like kind of typical teenagers having feelings songs. And that doesn't mean that they're bad songs. Like, I actually like them. I really like Hollywood ending a lot. Um, But they don't, like, it, it annoyed me off the top with this movie because I felt like it was like, oh, these songs... One of my favorite things about musical theater is the way that specificity plays into music, and especially with rhyme. And these just had this level of meaninglessness... And I bring this up now because I think that after turning my life around, it's, that stops being the case. Everything else after this, I feel like, is fantastic and is totally what I love about musicals and musical theater. And I just feel like these these, these first three musical theater songs that are not in the world of the movie, um, were just they were they could have been pulled from any pop musical property.
0: So I don't really agree. Uh, and I guess we're we're gonna let's put the plot stuff on pause for a second to actually sure. talk about the music of this because I think that it's worth setting the context. Sure. Um, so the music was written by Roddy Hart and Tommy Riley, whose CVs are a bunch of British stuff that means nothing to me.
1: <laughs> the way you set that up felt like we were gonna, it was gonna be really exciting.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Roddy Hart has really like released some solo albums, but also he's a He's a white guy, like British singer songwriter. So, like, oh. there's ten million of them, and yeah, I don't yeah, 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 really like. That's not really my scene.
1: No,
0: fair. Um, interesting. They're they're working on the like the Animaniacs reboot, writing songs for that, which is fun.
1: fascinating. That's very funny.
0: Anyway, I think that I don't disagree with what you're identifying in these the the generality to them. However, <laughs> I think that whether or not this opening segment is too long. That's kind of what it's trying to do. It's trying to like fake lull you into
1: hmm.
0: um a status quo that it then subverts. I mean, the 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 song where the zombies attack um as Anna and John are oblivious to it is like
1: singing about their own feelings and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's like yeah. a
0: very clever like um literalization of that. Yeah. But I think that whether or not you like the songs, it is kind of like Generic pop musical that turns into a horror movie. Because there's nothing about this opening half hour that even suggests a horror movie at all. No. It's not just in the songwriting. It's actually like a thing that the film is doing.
1: And I totally get that. And I think that like if it had just started with Turning My Life Around and the Zombies, we'd be missing some context. St- status quo, as you said. Yes. I think maybe it's just that we didn't need both the first one and uh, Hollywood Ending. I think that like there's a way to kind of. Not combine them into one song, but do that and introduce your characters because it's the same way where like you get John, you get Ella Hunt, you get the principal, you get the two. The, Did you the forget the birds. name of the Anna? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Of it's Anna and
0: Apocalypse.
1: <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, okay. Um. Yeah. You get Anna. You get um. What's the other girl's name? Steph. Yeah. Uh. You get all of them. Because they all do have this like relationship with love., uh, and I guess I just don't feel like we needed both. It was just when Hollywood ending started in the movie, I was like, oh, another song so soon. we don't need this.
0: So you know, from a from a strict narrative point of view, I don't disagree. However, <laughs> I think these songs bang. yeah, like I like slap. Uh, they really do slap. I would not cut either Breakaway or Hollywood ending for the sole reason that I really like them. And we can talk about this now, and we're not going to... I promise we're not going to talk about all these songs. We did talk about this beforehand and said we weren't going to go song by song. I really appreciate these songs because they are really straightforward pop musical theater. You compared it to Mean Girls. Um, I
1: didn't compare it to Mean Girls. I said Mean Girls was a lot better. You liked it, and I said you don't listen to a lot of pop musicals like this, and I listen to a lot of pop musicals like this. So I think on the spectrum of pop musicals, it is on the... Uh middle. Middle to low. Just just past the middle to low.
0: So I'll defer to your expertise on the uh context, the big picture rankings of pop musicals. Um my experience was that these songs bang. And <laughs> I'm
1: not trying to I discount specifically your
0: like that they feel really musical theater-y at times. There's a lot of these guys like counterpoint a lot, mm-hmm. um, and every time they they pulled a a overlapping melody trick, I was delighted. Yeah, because it's it's so musical theater e and not like film musical e.
1: Right, and there right? aren't a lot of like singular songs like Anna just singing a song all by herself. A lot of these opening songs are so great because they'll be throughout. Like, I would say someone's verse, not just someone's a... two lines, someone comes in on like this little. Uh, you know what? What's I think it's in Hollywood Ending. There's just a point where John is singing like his own melody.
0: I don't agree the that end, that's great. I don't agree that that's the opening. I think that's their mo as songwriters, at least in this context. What, there's a song get, later where people get
1: individual songs later. Is what I mean. There's
0: a song later where Anna and um, the principal, for narrative purposes, the principal um, have a song that really doesn't need to be a duet from a narrative standpoint, mm-hmm. but it is because it. One, because that's their songwriting style, and they want to have people sing over each other and have these different points of view. But also, just because, like it, it gives the characters something more to do. And if they engage in dialogue, that again, from a narrative point of view, serves no purpose. They're kind of debating. Like the state of things, like what's right. going on, and there's One no of these reason songs to really do push that. the plot forward. Exactly, right? they're all uh, like
1: thinking, feeling songs. They're very
0: character heavy, yeah. And I think I like that. Again, it's not. I don't want every musical to be like this, but I think <laughs> that this really, really worked for me because the plot of this movie is pretty light in the first place, yeah. And I think that the the songs not being in service of the plot, like you said, you think that there's too much up front and. A couple of these are kind of redundant to each other. Mm-hmm. Kind of just feels secondary because this movie isn't really terribly engaged with plot.
1: But that's kind of what I mean. If you had three songs, pr- like before the zombies attacked, that were all plot-driven, I wouldn't have this problem. It's that you—it's like that they're all very character-heavy, and you don't need two character-heavy songs to open up your musical. I think this is what this is my point: is that like. I really like exactly what you're saying, which is that they're very musical theatery in that, like, it starts with Anna; she sings her two lines, and then John sings his two lines, and then Steph, in a different location, sings her two lines. Which is that's that's the movie aspect of it, right? The, this movie musical where you can like everybody in the whole school is singing basically. But that it's the same thing happens in Hollywood Ending. It's like it's very very redundant because they're both just opening character-feeling songs.
0: Again, I think we're kind of going in circles. I don't disagree. Sure. I just don't care. You just don't care
1: because you like them both. I
0: just don't think it's a problem. That's fine. And I think specifically, I think that what I'm sketching out is why it's not a problem is because it's kind of just this movie's mood. It's kind of the vibe of this movie to sure. meander that way. Again, for better or for worse. Right. But it does feel, it feels totally correct. It doesn't feel out of place that this movie has all of that, all of those songs before. That's 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 my defense of it. Again, if that makes it Less than great film. That's your prerogative. Yeah, but I think that it's it's tonally consistent and structurally consistent. Sure. The Christmas d- pageant is stupid.
1: Yeah, I only disagree for the exact reason that you just said, which is that I really like uh, Lisa's like little sexy Santa song.
0: I think that the Santa Baby esque like style parody is very funny though. Yeah. So it just to me that feels very out of place in this movie more than the the like redundant songs because we could also start talking about this. Christmas is very tangential. To Christmas this movie. takes
1: a background. <laughs> it really it there's a lot up front with like the Poppy Christmas song and they're all excited about Christmas. John's wearing like a light up Christmas butter the whole movie. And there's and a then, patch the And then for. the zombies come and Christmas goes, Okay, you guys take the lead on this one. We will be background noise for the rest Nobody of Nobody talks about Christmas. No. Nobody
0: like there are like um like, set design elements, right? Like
1: Yeah, we'll talk about later Anna's kind of... This is on the poster, but Anna's main weapon being a very specific Christmas icon.
0: Is candy cane? I don't know why you're hiding it. Oh, sorry. It's on the poster.
1: Anna's, like, big, you know, uh, weapon of choice is this, like, sharpened candy cane. So, like, like a big, giant one. Yeah, not, like a, not a
0: real candy cane.
1: No, but it is does have a sharp... And I guess because it would go into a lawn, right? Yeah. They're, like, sharpened at the end to have a point so they can go into dirt. Um, That's her weapon. And so, like, that being a a piece of Christmas iconography is very important. But no, this isn't about, like, Anna learning about the Christmas spirit, right? Like, that. there's a different version of this movie that's like, Anna hates Christmas, and now she's going to fight zombies and discover the meaning of Christmas, and that's what the movie's about. Like, it's not about that at all. It is only a set piece. And I think that's okay. Oh, I love it. I'm I don't need to lay on the
0: Christmas stuff. It just no, happens to take place at Christmas.
1: That's typically true of the Christmas movies I like, is that they are, like, background... Again, setting, not necessarily the point of the movie. I think that's where we come up with a lot of these like, oh, Die Hard is a Christmas movie yeah. and Catch If You Can is a Christmas movie because they're not about Christmas. They just happen to take place in large part during Christmas, which is super fun.
0: Yeah, not that I mind movies about Christmas. Uh, no <laughs> Nightmare Before Christmas is all about the spirit it's of Christmas. Great movie. It's perfect. <laughs> anyway, I really tried to like drag us along here and now that now that we're here I'm I'm realizing Um, We can just fast-forward through everything. Yeah. So the zombies attack and... Oh, we should
1: say, though, global pandemic. (laughs) Oh, yes. There's a thing on the radio that's like, the global pandemic of a virus has actually turned into these zombies. And we literally looked at each other like, oh, no. There was, like, buzzwords that could have been taken from the news of today. It was just horrifying. It was very triggering.
0: They do very um, zombie fighting off things, right? They huddle together, they hide in places, they're waiting out time. I was. I
1: wrote this down actually too that I feel like one of the really fun things about zombie movies and zombie TV shows is creative zombie kills. It feels like the, the reason to make a zombie movie yeah. is like zombies will be in my town What are all the various locations I can go to? Specifically, in the beginning, they spend a lot of time in a bowling alley. And it's like, oh, what do bowling alleys have? Shoes, pins, bowling balls, often like a cafe of some sort. Yeah. How can I utilize all of these tools to kill zombies in a fun way? Because there's always just so many of them. And unless you have a really specific zombie breed where they have to be killed in a specific way, it's like, no, I can just smash this zombie's head with two bowling balls and I can hit a zombie with a bowling pin and like we can just do all sorts of like shenanigans with the items at my disposal and that felt very true of this movie. It was just like, how? what are all the fun ways we can like kill and hide and evade zombies, right?
0: Yeah, and not that we have to get into like a real analysis of the genre, but I think that that's part of why zombies lend themselves to comedy more than... Agreed.
1: Like, vampires, there are vampire vampire comedies,
0: there are werewolf comedies, but like, Zombies, because they are typically slow moving and um, dumb. Dumb. You could do really fun stuff, both physically and like you could have characters tell jokes because the zombies are just like right. shambling around. The
1: puns just write themselves, and there's so much prop humor. <laughs> like it's very, very, very. I agree. It lends itself to the. Yeah, the genre. I, yeah.
0: I think that's why we get so many. I think perfect opportunity to talk about this. I think the comedy in this is not very good, and I think that it is overshadowed by the fact that there are a lot of really good zombie comedies. We have Return of the Living Dead. We have Shaun, Shaun of, of the, the dead. dead. Right. This we is have very really... much a Shaun of the
1: Dead-like, you know.
0: Well, it's a British like, ensemble yeah. piece about <laughs> yeah. unexpected zombies and like normal people. <laughs> I think that the jokes in this are pretty stupid. There's a lot of talk about pop culture that feels really dated, given yeah, that this is from well. 2018. Like talking about Ryan Gosling being cool and like Taylor Swift being, you know, like there's way, way too much of that. And I get that they're teenagers, but the fact that it's only a couple years later and this already rings really hollow to me is not a great sign. I agree. And I just, generally, you know, I just don't think it's as funny as it wants to be.
1: It's However, goofy. It's goofy humor.
0: I do think that the, the drama works because, because it lays so heavy on the characters. I do care about these characters. And when they die, which we should talk about, a lot of these characters die. And Shocking to me. We do feel it.
1: Oh, yeah. I wasn't expecting it at all. This movie, like, we've already discussed, because it's so character-heavy, because we spend so much time in the beginning of this movie establishing this teenager wants to go to, like, travel before university. This character's in love with her. This character has parent drama. These two characters are super in love. They want to be together forever. Yeah. Like, because we set all this up, I never expected that any of them would die. And when they started dying, I was like, oh, no, this movie is not afraid to pull punches. And that is, like, that's the thing that actually separates this movie to me, from like what it could have been, it could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot like sillier and dumber. The fact that it did not hesitate in killing, we should say, John specifically, mm-hmm. and also Chris and Lisa, and her dad. Yes, uh, was really shocking. I was so blown away. Um, but that was, I think, a mark of really good storytelling. That I never actually expected these characters to be in any level of danger, and then they were.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that it, it is a strength of this movie even if I think what we're dancing around is that like it is totally a little weird to to be so heavy I think it works again it works for me um I if you can't tell I really bought into this movie yeah <laughs> uh, more than I thought I was going to given that I was like pretty tired when I sat down to watch it um and then it, it just worked on me it's just like a good hang
1: maybe that's why it worked on you
0: Oh, my defenses! You were, were down? like,
1: "I'm sad. I don't want to watch this movie." And then it was like, "Christmas is joyful giving."
0: <laughs> exactly. I mean, the end of this—we just we just talked about all the people that die. Gradually, these people die because they're killed by zombies in various ways. And then, Steph, Nick, Anna—they get away, escape in a car, and go somewhere else to fate unknown. Yeah. Um, I mean, the
1: zombie apocalypse is presumably still raging, so it's not even like it's really a happy ending. It's just that they get away from their current predicament.
0: Yeah, it's not, it's like, it's not like Shaun of the Dead, which is like, we've, you know...
1: Yeah, they don't, I guess there, there is a really easy way often in zombie movies where they turn on the radio and it's like, we've contained it to a small town in England. Oh, the one you're leaving. Wonderful yeah. for you. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, this isn't like interested in a world-building game, which is fine. It doesn't need to be. Again, no. it's, it's primarily a, a character-driven musical, not a, like, pandemic, uh... Analog, you know, right. it's not saying right. anything about zombies. It's like zombies as a narrative a device. Metaphor. It's not doing no, it at no, all. No, no, no. Do you want to talk about the third act villain of the principal, or is it a total waste of time?
1: Uh, it's not a waste of time. It's just weird because he's not. He's probably the least interesting character, which is unfortunate. That it's not. I would probably be more. We should just say he's pretty much always a villain. He yeah. just he just goes from being a annoying um bureaucratic principle style villain to being a mustache twirling zombie king villain. Like what I don't even remember what his goal is.
0: He wants he like wants humanity to go extinct. He's like oh, a, he's he becomes just a nihilist. totally nihilistic. Yeah. Well he starts off he's like all these fucking kids are dying. All the like Chads are gonna die. And then a little <laughs> loser like me will finally ascend to the top because I'm smart and I'm better than everyone. Oh boy. And then that goes south and he's eventually like humanity is ready to die out
1: he's like, oh wait, I'm gonna die too. I guess that's fine.
0: That's like what, yeah, like what, what he becomes. That's the aforementioned um, duet with Anna. Right, yeah. right, right. It's fine.
1: <sighs> I'm trying to think of like. I didn't...
0: There's not much to talk about though. J- just no. that, like, it's a weird.
1: You know that was really shift? in in 2018 though. Now that I think about it, what the um, little shrimpy loser being the villain rather than the good guy, like, is that no longer in? I, I don't know how do you what, what do you think recently that that's been. What true do you think of? in twenty eighteen? Uh, Ghostbusters. I guess it wasn't twenty eighteen, but like the the Ghostbusters remake felt like very much that. Um, and there's a couple other things too of that time. I remember just seeing a bunch of comparison like posts of like, oh Ghostbusters. I mean, people actually said that about Kylo Ren, not as sure. much in the later movies, but in the first movie that it's like I'm whiny, I'm angsty, I nobody likes me, Like nobody understands me. So
0: what you're talking about, I agree that this exists in a tradition. Yeah. Wouldn't it be much more interesting if that was a student? Yes. Why is it the principal? I don't know. This is another complication that I guess I'll bring up. He's not the principal yet. He's going to become the principal. The current one is retiring at the end of the semester, and in January, after Christmas break, Mm -hmm. he's going to be the principal. It doesn't really do anything with that.
1: No, it doesn't, I think this is what I was going to say is I feel like I would be more interested in him if he was trying to get the kids to like him in the beginning of the movie. And then it was like a turn where he was like, none of you treated me well. And now I'm going to, and now I'm, this is why I'm glad humanity is dying. If it was like some kind of, he viewed it as like some kind of punishment that he, that he was trying, that he had like attempted to be a good person and he tried to be, happy and, like, connect to these kids and they just rejected him at every turn and then he was like, fine, fuck you. That's more interesting to me than Mr. Man is always evil and then he just becomes more evil in a different way. Yeah. Like, they hate him. They've always hated him. He's a little jerk. Like, he sucks.
0: Yeah.
1: And then he just sucks more. That's just not interesting. Yeah, no, yeah. Because I'll tell you to switch characters for a minute. Sure. You know, who totally won me (laughs) over. Fucking Nick, the bully uh, we discussed earlier. I wrote down in my notes early on, Nick is a shitty little asshole. And then later wrote down, uh, why is Nick my type in character? Fuck you. Um, That happened. Like, really, the change happened for me where he's just the worst. He throws a cupcake at, like, a nerdy girl. For no reason. For no reason. Just to laugh at her. He's terrible. And then, and he's, like, mean to Anna. They have, like, this drama, this conflict. And I was like, oh my god, just fuck off. And then... They meet up with Nick at one point. They're trying to sneak from the bowling alley. I don't remember where they're trying to go, but they end up at the school. Um, but they're sneaking in this, like, upside-down inflatable pool uh, to hide them from the zombies. Because zombies are stupid. Yeah, and it, it works for a while until it doesn't. And then Nick and his brigade of other shitty little assholes uh, come running in, and they've all become, like, excellent at killing zombies. And Nick sings his, like, high school musical "Bet on it song.
0: It's um, nothing like
1: that. It is. <laughs> um, it doesn't sound like that. It does, kind of. And he... But it's, it's my favorite song from the movie. I love it. I think it's incredible and very fun and specific to oh, the movie. Oh, you think the song
0: in this movie is incredible?
1: Yeah. I, to me. I love it. Um, well, you know, because of its specificity, it's very fun. There's a line that's like, when it comes to killing zombies, I'm the top of my class, and I'm like, oh, great. A song about killing zombies in a movie about killing zombies. I love that. Yeah. Um, And then as, of course, the movie progresses, he becomes softer and we understand that he has a terrible, overbearing military father whom he had to murder uh, because his father was going to turn into a zombie. Uh, And he ends up, like, sacrificing himself. He and Anna are together and he ends up sacrificing himself to save her. And he he kind of runs off um, as the zombies chase him, beginning to sing his zombie killing theme song mm-hmm. and it's not a reprise it's not like there's no backing track right he just runs off singing that when i come to killing zombies when I it comes to killing zombies on the top of my class which to me was like one of the most beautiful musical theater moments i've seen like in a musical theater movie because that i could picture that on stage perfectly just that kind of running off into the wings just singing your theme song i yeah. love it so that that, obviously, plus the self-sacrifice, plus the daddy issues, <laughs> plus just everything about him. I was like, God damn it. I love Nick. He ends up not being dead, which soured it a little bit for me because I really like the idea of him sacrificing He's himself. He just him to fucking die. I, I, I like the idea of him, like, being non-selfish and, like, going for it. It's not his fault that he was really good at killing zombies and lived, but... um, Because I, I, I don't think she needs to end up with either him or John, right? Like... The whole... It's not a love triangle. She's not trying to choose between, like, the bad boy or the good guy. Um, But him being alive at the end suggests that a little bit more. And I wasn't a super fan of that. But anyway, doesn't matter. I really love Nick. I think that comparing him with the principal, who, again, as we discussed, is just light evil and then becomes mega evil... Nick is the perfect example of how you can take a character who I really genuinely thought was just a waste of space in the beginning of the movie and turn it completely around to where I was loving him so much. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I know that you're you're less impressed by with this movie than I am, but I thought it was really fun and nice and I really enjoyed it. And again, I listened to the songs again after we watched the movie because I just enjoyed them and I think that they're fun, even if they're, um, you know, not knockouts that are... I mean, I did too. i going to carry with me. I went and listened to
1: these. I went and listened as well. I, act, I, I feel like it's a very specific gripe that I have that's like, I don't dislike the songs. You just I want just...
0: them to connect more to the, the text. Yeah. Fair enough. Can I tell you my favorite thing about
1: this movie? Yes, please do.
0: So obviously this movie knows that it's in a long line of zombie comedies and there's lots of like little touches throughout that it clearly uh, is showing its work. Um, at the very end, there's a quick cut scene of them driving away in the car. Uh, that is clearly so Edgar Wright. It's yeah. Just, it's just it's an Edgar Wright homage. The
1: cuts, yeah. Um,
0: of like the gas pedal and the keys and the dashboard.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: that I just really appreciate, like doing a little stylistic flourish, because this movie isn't very flashily directed. It's it's perfectly competent, and there are sequences I quite like. Um, though they're probably more the choreography than the direction. It was nice to throw in a little touch right there that is different enough from his directorial style, John McPhail, uh, that you can tell that like it's not like the whole movie was cut like Edgar Wright. No. It was just like a little moment. It's just moment. a little
1: moment. It's a little homage. It was very nice. I like that a lot.
0: The last thing I want to say is that Ryan McHenry is the writer-director of the original short film this is based on. Um, and this film was dedicated to him because he died of cancer in 2015. Uh, but I didn't realize until looking into it that he was a Viner. From Vine. Oh, um, who is best known for the Ryan Gosling doesn't want to eat his cereal.
1: Oh my gosh, um,
0: that's so funny. Yeah, it's crazy because obviously, like he was also like a, a filmmaker, an aspiring filmmaker, and, and did some short film work. And again, was nominated for a BAFTA for the zombie musical short yeah. film. Yeah, um,
1: it is fascinating. The Viners who are like I found out later were like comedians or filmmakers, and that's why their vines were so good, because they're like, that's actually their profession. It was very interesting.
0: It is fascinating. And he's, he's writing the script. I I, I could not really tell if he was like, working on adapting it into a feature when he passed away, or if it's just like that it's based on his, his work, but um, really interesting and really sad that he did not get to see this film made.
1: Yeah. That's a bummer. I feel like I was hard on it in the beginning. I really did enjoy it. It's just that I had, you know, as as someone who loves movie musicals so much, mm-hmm. this isn't like a super fantastic movie musical, but it really, for what it's doing in the four genres, it's, yeah, you know, <laughs> playing and it's covering at least, you know, some percentage of greatness in all of those categories.
0: Yeah. And I'll be honest, like, uh, it's grown in my estimation from the time that we ended watching the movie to recording it now. Yeah, I have that's I fair. have I have come to like it more because the stuff I didn't like, the stuff that I thought was really workmanlike or dumb, the jokes, has faded away already after a couple days. Right. And already I'm only thinking about the things I liked, which, you know, I mean it, it is really quick to have um, you know, rose-colored glasses about this, right. but... That's okay, though. The The thing that I think of in this movie is that it is fun and charming and... And that you go and listen to the music again. It has the spirit that I want, right? Yeah. Even if everything doesn't land, I like someone being ambitious enough to make a movie like this. And honestly, I- the production value of it is pretty damn good.
1: And it has a level of meta where you know that they are playing a little bit, right? That they're they're making fun of themselves a tiny bit. Like, I think that there's a... Um, point early on where you and I both kind of like chuckled because the music started at the beginning of uh, probably the first song, and it was like, oh, they're about to sing a musical theater song, and it was kind of funny, and it was like, oh, that's probably intentional. This movie knows exactly what it is, and knows what it's doing.
0: It's born out of a love, clearly, of musicals and of like silly zombie comedies, and so I really appreciate that, and so again... It's really hard for me to dunk on a movie that has heart like this that just so lines up with my sensibilities. I also love musicals. I also love horror movies. This is fun. Yeah. Do you have any good trivia?
1: Uh, Not really, just except that the only thing I found interesting was that there's three versions. There's the USA cut, the UK international cut, and the festival cut. Um, 93 minutes, 98 minutes, and 108 minutes, respectively. Um, Ours was
0: 93, for sure.
1: Yes, this was the USA cut. And there was a couple songs that ended up getting cut. I don't know if any of them ended up being in the festival version or the UK version, but they were specifically like cut from the U S version for sure. Um, But in the original cut of a film, there's a song called which side are you on? That's savage and Tony who's Anna's dad. Um, And that one was cut from theatrical release and home releases um, just to focus more on the kids. And so maybe that would have added some depth. I mean, the two of them, we didn't talk about this, Tony, as he works at the school, right, and he's like the school mechanic or school, Mm -hmm. you know, maintenance guy or whatever. Um, He and uh, Principal Savage have a very weird relationship that for a moment, I was like, what's, are they going to like be lovers? Like what's happening here? There's a moment where they like, they're they're They, he pats him on the the shoulder. Uh, Tony pats Savage on the shoulder and Savage kind of looks down at his hand and Tony's dad, like Tony like takes it away. And it, 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 I couldn't tell whether they were, whether it was supposed to read like kind of romantic. So I was like, what's going to happen with these two characters? And then nothing really happens. Um, so maybe there's, there were, could have been potential there with the two of them to be a little bit more interesting. Um, again, like, if Savage had been a good character at first and he and Tony had been friends and then the turn happened and then it was like, oh, which side are you on? Like, that could have been really cool. And it wasn't. So that's, I think, yeah. like, I think that uh, in terms of trivia, that was kind of my main takeaway was just this kind of feeling of, like, potentially wasted opportunity with Savage and, and Tony in a way that I feel it happens a lot with these kinds of teen things. Like, that's that's what happened with Glee, I don't know if you were watched enough Glee to be aware of this, but Glee started out being about adults, and then so many teens watched it that it just became about teens, and like that was a very weird thing that happened to Glee. I don't know. It was just interesting that for me to like watch Glee for all those years and realize that they were just completely turning away from the adults, and the adults just became villains and they became very one-dimensional. This is becoming a thing about Glee that yeah, I don't, I don't think really we get can into, get into that. but it's just interesting when when movies do that. I just find it fascinating when it's like this was going to be about everybody, and then they're like no. Adults are stupid, let's focus on the teens. And that always just kind of bothers me. It always makes things seem a little bit less for everyone, I guess.
0: Yeah, well, you already uh, got ahead of me here, but are you ready to sing our theme song as we sacrifice ourselves (laughs) running off, (laughs) exiting stage left?
1: Yeah, and then coming back in the end, and that we were alive the whole time. Incredible.
0: Why don't you pull up that roulette, and we'll see what our next movie will be.
1: This was a good roulette pick. I agree. The roulette actually did not let us down this time.
0: Our next movie will be
1: Kill Baby Kill. <laughs> I'm not. The pause there was intentional because this is Kill Baby dot 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 Kill exclamation point. Um,
0: oh, this is a Mario Bava movie that I've never heard of. Oh, it's from 1966. Where is this on? Shutter. Nice. I love that. What a title. We haven't covered anything. Kill, baby. Kill. Mario Bava is the uh, inventor of the Giallo film.
1: Oh, so we haven't done any of the, the lurid
0: Italian stuff. No. So this should be pretty fun. Uh, an important piece of film history that I've never seen. But I do I, love I, that. I love Mario Bava.
1: I am not a Giallo fan as much as you are. Uh, but I am interested in, you know, as we've said, the film history.
0: I think this will be interesting. Okay. All right, so... <laughs> Our next week will be Kill Baby, baby Kill You <laughs> said that You're gonna hear a lot of that A lot week. of
1: that That's the only joke I'm gonna make next week Is Kill Baby Kill <laughs> <laughs> Gonna be a lot of awkward pauses Just prepare yourselves
0: Until then You can check us out On our website At NowScreaming.com
1: And on Twitter and Facebook At NowScreaming
0: Be sure to tell your friends About the podcast And leave us a review On your podcast App of choice Yeah whatever you choose Just leave us a good review Love it Thanks, as always, to Wes Craven. And to the actor Orion Lee, who I only know, and many people know, from being one of the co-leads of Kelly Reichardt's First Cow, one of the best films of 2020, who executive produced this movie for some reason.
1: Seeing his name come up on that like <laughs> screen was just thrilling. It was like, there can't be two Orion Lees working in the film industry. <laughs> it's too
0: specific. Watch first cow. It's great.
1: Oh yeah, first cow's amazing. Not a horror movie in any way, shape, or form. Also, it watch does the have
0: bones. Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode once more with feeling. I
1: can't that believe I didn't very, talk about it the yeah. whole time. I wanted to bring we it up. We did not talk about a lot of other like movie, TV, musical because this really does come across less sometimes like a musical and more like a musical episode of a TV show. That's like the way a lot of the songs are written.
0: This is already the most substance we've ever had oh, after the West. it.
1: <laughs> damn it. <laughs>
0: We're <laughs> gonna have to do a follow-up episode. There's more to, to say. Listen, we have a lot of opinions about musicals.
1: We didn't bring up the other musical that we did on this podcast.
0: We don't need to talk about that.
1: <laughs> we do. They're very they work as very interesting foils to each other.
0: Should we talk about it now?
1: No. <laughs> Someday we'll talk about it. If we ever do a third musical on the podcast, we will compare all 3 We'll
0: talk about the Devil's Carnival and Anna the Apocalypse. Yeah, and, and whatever, whatever that animals. one
1: is, yeah. What are the other horror movie musicals?
0: Rocky Horror Picture Show. Sweetie
1: Todd. There's lots, actually. (laughs) Can't wait. We'll do one of them on this podcast eventually.
0: All right. Until next time, everybody.
1: (laughs) Stay spooky. Stay
0: spooky.